All right, we hope that you were able to enjoy that worship set and are once again so glad that you've chosen to join us for our service today. Now, today what we're doing is we're actually beginning a new series, which is going to be called The Great Resignation. And you may be familiar with this term because over the past several months, um, statistically and economically, we've seen in our society that um, though there are a plenty, plentitude of jobs and availability um, that people have to really re-engage society um, with um, opportunities um, to get back to work and um, begin to uh, labor in the communities in which they live. Um, there seems to be what's called the great resignation because of the fact that after the pandemic, people are taking a new evaluation of their lives. And they're really saying, what am I doing with my life? What am I giving myself to? What am I working for? And really, at the end of the day, what purpose and satisfaction does it give me? What, uh, what, what am I really fulfilling by giving the lion's share of my days, my weeks, my months, and my years to the things that I've been doing? And so people have been in a state of really trying to reorder their lives and figure out that which they were actually made and created for, that which would actually give them the most fulfillment in life. And the good news is that through the gospel of Jesus Christ, we find that very answer. And whenever we look into the Gospels, uh, the Gospel accounts, which are the biographies of Jesus, which chronicle his sinless life, his miracles, his sacrificial death on the cross, burial and resurrection from the dead, but it also records his teachings, we see the things that Jesus describes as parables in life. And the parables were more than just clever stories or clever anecdotes that Jesus was giving uh, during his earthly ministry to the disciples that he was trying to teach. But they were actually similitudes, which were actually him giving instruction on the way that he created life to function, the way that it will function best when we choose to trust him and believe, and ultimately the way that things are, no matter whether we choose to believe it or not. And so over the next several weeks, we're going to talk about the great resignation that people are experiencing um, in this period of time that we find ourselves in. Um, and we're going to do it by looking at the kingdom of God and how Jesus described the kingdom of God and the parables that he gave about the kingdom to show us how we are to find ourselves in that kingdom so that we might actually live the life to the full that he's intended us for. And so today, this uh, message is going to be the great resignation talking about the parable of the sower. And our focus statement today is going to be this, that we will become all that God intended us to be when we move from shallow and divided faith to a, an actual Christ-centered faith. That we will become all that God intended us to be when we move from a shallow and divided faith to a Christ-centered faith. We're going to break the message down into those three parts today. We're going to talk first about a shallow faith. Then secondly, we're going to talk about a divided faith. The, the reason that people are ending up in crisis in times such as the past two years in the pandemic is because many times they found themselves in a divided or a shallow faith. And then finally, we're going to talk about God's solution to find ourselves in a Christ-centered faith. So before we do anything else, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word to us today. And we thank you that even in this time, in the great resignation that we're experiencing in our times, that God, you've given us the parable of the sower to understand who, who you are, what your kingdom is about, how we can find our place in it, and ultimately find the greatest 
peace, joy, and satisfaction in our life that we've been looking for. And so, God, we're praying that you would open your word to us today and help us to live according to it. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so let's start by talking about a shallow faith. But let's do that by reading the parable of the sower. And again, this is Jesus during his earthly ministry, ministering to the crowds and the uh, people who would be following him, trying to understand really the meaning of life and how, how they're to really find God in the midst of it. And so it says this in Matthew chapter 13, starting in verse 1. It says, The same day Jesus went out the house, out of the house, and sat beside the sea. And great crowds gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying to them, A sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path. And the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil. And immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seed, f seeds fell along thorns, among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear let him hear. Let's go on to Jesus' explanation of this parable. It continues in verse 18. It says, Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the world and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. Okay, so what we see here is Jesus giving us this first parable. And when he's describing this to the disciples, ultimately he would say in one of the other Gospels, um, when Peter came and asked him to explain the parable to him, he said, listen, Peter, if you don't understand this parable, how are you going to understand any of the parables that I'm speaking about? This is so fundamental, it's foundational to your life in God that you need to get and understand that this is the basis of your interaction with him. But let's talk about it in terms of shallow faith. We need to understand that most of us, when we've grown up only culturally exposed to Christianity, what we have is we may in fact have a faith. We may have a belief in God, or if you are um, a person here who's just seeking out Jesus and the things of God today, you may have a spirituality where you believe in a higher power, but you don't actually have anything more than a shallow faith because what you have is something that's been culturally and not relationally produced. 
And so what we see is that when Jesus is talking about the parable of the sower, he's saying, listen, this is what the kingdom of God is like. And the kingdom simply represents God's rulership and his lordship in your life, where God is saying, I made you, I created you by my power and for relationship with me. But not only for relationship with me, but also for my purposes. And ultimately, if you are created by God and for him, then ultimately you're going to only find your ultimate fulfillment when you're walking in relationship with him and fulfilling that which he created you for. And this is what people are coming to in the great resignation. When there's been so much going on around us and we've seen death and destruction, loss of jobs and loss of income, loss of uh, real stability in life, and people are once again waking up and saying, what am I giving myself to? What am I here for? It's really in God that you find the answers. And this is where God is drawing people back to his kingdom, back to his rulership, back to relationship, so that he might actually give them ultimate satisfaction and fulfillment when they find themselves governed by him in both his in relationship with him and in his purposes. But he starts out this kingdom talk by talking about a shallow faith. And he says again in verse 18, here is a parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. Now, whenever somebody grows up culturally Christian only, or somebody who just consider themselves spiritual, but not necessarily having a rooted foundation and relationship with the one living God found in his son, Jesus Christ, what happens is, is that they have a shallow faith. They might have heard things before, meaning that they might have heard scripture before, they might even have heard about the gospel before, which is the good news of Jesus Christ, that he lived, that God became man in Jesus Christ, and he lived a sinless life that you and I should have lived in obedience to God's commandments perfectly, that he showed that he was God by opening blind eyes, opening deaf ears, raising people from the dead, performing all types of miracles that he drove out demons and set people who were afflicted in their minds, their hearts, and their souls free. He set them literally free from demonic oppression. He raised people from the dead, and the greatest thing of all is that he went to the cross to take the punishment that you and I deserve before our rebellion against a holy and a righteous God. But because he was 100% innocent, three days later he rose from the dead, showing with power by the Holy Spirit that he was a unique son of God, offering forgiveness of sins and also a brand new life, eternal life, for those who would put their trust in him and follow him. Now, they might, you might have had that as a message that's been preached to you before, and you might have on the surface even believed it. But you might have believed it in a sense that it's like, yes, I agree with those presuppositions about who God is, who Jesus said he is, who the Bible claims him to be. And ultimately, um, I agree that church and spirituality or religion is good. It ultimately provides some sort of benefit to your life. It gives you morals. It gives you a sense of community. It gives you a sense of uh, you know, uh, be basically peace in the fact that somebody is watching out for you who's greater than your circumstances. 
But if this is all that you know about God, then you might be in the camp where ultimately the extent of your faith, when somebody asks you, what is it that you're actually standing on? When God says that you can trust him, he's saying you can trust his word and his promises to you about who he is in his kingdom. And if all you know are cultural sayings like, God helps those who help themselves, or cleanliness is next to godliness, or things of that nature, then what you might have is a shallow cultural faith that's not going to help you actually in your time of need. When we went through, so, when we go through something like we went through in this past two years with the pandemic, the social unrest, all of the uh, uncertainty, the fears, the, the, uh, uh, the social tensions that went on in our communities, you need, I'm going to tell you, something more than just pithy quotes to actually help you continue to rest in God, but not only rest in God, but be all that he's called you to be and do all that he's called you to do. Those cultural pithy quotes won't help you in your time of need. It's the actual word of God and understanding that word, understanding what God has said about himself, what God has said about his kingdom, what God said about what he's made you for and how to walk out relationship with him based on his written word that's going to actually help you stand. And Jesus says that if you don't go beyond shallow cultural spirituality or Christianity. What's going to happen is ultimately that there is not only a God who loves you, but there is a devil who hates you. And that devil comes only to steal, kill, and destroy your life. And it says that when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, they remain in a place of having a shallow faith. And it's, it's, let, me, let me say this. It's okay that you don't, if you don't understand things at first, but it is your responsibility to press into God and like the early disciples say, Lord, what does this mean? Teach me what this means out of your word. Teach me what this means out of church community and Christian fellowship where I have older men and women teaching me the word of God and showing me how to apply it in my life showing me proper biblical hermeneutics, showing me the context of scripture, what God meant when he was writing to the audiences that he was writing to, the context in which they found themselves and the application that they gave to come into that relationship with God and ultimately those purposes of God when they did so. It is our responsibility to press in for understanding. But if we don't and we allow our faith to remain shallow, what Jesus says is that that enemy of your soul who comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, he comes to immediately, not a, he doesn't even wait long. It's like immediately he comes to snatch away what has been sown into your heart. Immediately. So have you ever been in, a, in an environment before where you were at a church service or you were at a Bible study and my goodness, you were encouraged by the good news that was coming towards you. You were told that, listen, doing things God's way, you could have a better marriage. Doing things God's way, you could actually raise and have the hope of raising godly children. Doing things God's way, you could have the hope of eternal life through the cross of Jesus Christ and the resurrection from the dead. You could actually prosper in your life workplace because you live according to God's principles of diligence, hard work, integrity, and faithfulness. 
as opposed to the quick get-rich-quick schemes that surround us on a daily basis. And you were so enthralled, so encouraged by that, that you said, listen, I, I hear it, and these sound like good promises, but you didn't do anything with it beyond just hearing the hope of it, and then you didn't understand how to put it into practice. And so as soon as you went out, it said, uh, immediately a distraction came in to take away the hope that was planted in your heart. Immediately. You left the church service, you left the Bible study, and then immediately there was some sort of altercation with a loved one, some sort of altercation with somebody in the community, some sort of bad report that came from the workplace or by you looking at your bank statement, something that came to immediately choke out the word that was planted in you. Well, that's what Jesus said would happen if we have a shallow faith and do not understand it. So the answer is, is that we don't need to be those people. We don't need to have a great resignation going from thing to thing and saying, well, obviously God's ways don't work because I heard it, I believed it, but I really didn't see it like worked out in my life. Well, you can't say that unless you've actually done your homework to understand it. And as Jesus said, not only be a hearer of the word, but a doer of his word, putting it into practice and seeing his kingdom principles applied in your life so that you might become all that he's called you to be in relationship with him and then do all that he's called you to do. We need to move through understanding from a shallow faith to a Christ-centered faith. But it's not just a shallow faith that afflicts us. It's not just a shallow faith that we've seen upend people over the course of this past year and a half to two years. We've seen a divided faith also be at issue. And when people are saying in the great resignation, I feel like I need, there's something more in my life that many times begins with this. And Jesus says, as for the seed or that was sown along the path, <clears throat> I'm sorry, on the rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. And so there are people who've received the message of Jesus and the kingdom with joy. But it says, and they endure for a while, and when tribulation or persecution arise on account of the word, immediately he falls away. Immediately he falls away when trouble or persecution come because of the word. And the reason why is because in this particular instance, when there's a divided faith, there is what? Joy up front when you hear the good news of the gospel, but then you know that ultimately it costs you something. That ultimately it's going to cost you in something in, the, in terms of tribulation and persecution. Meaning that trouble and persecution can actually follow you at times whenever you're identifying with Christ as the only living God. He says very clearly in the scripture that salvation is found in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven and earth by which we must be saved except the name of Jesus. And it's because of what Jesus accomplished for us on the cross. Now, the, the thing about it, though, is that when you're taking your stand on that, you have got to not only know that intellectually, but you've got to, again, know that relationally by understanding, re re um, interacting with, and receiving from daily the relationship that you have in prayer, in worship, in the study of God's word, confirming the reality of what he's saying to you, to your heart, to your mind, to your soul, and even in the testimony of history 
that the good news is attesting to. But if you don't have this, when we're surrounded in our, <laughs> even in our U.S. community, and then caricatures are rising up about what it means to call yourself Christian, what it means to identify with Jesus, and then people are lashing out against those caricatures. Not because they're actually lashing out against the things that the scripture says itself, though sometimes they may be. When we are actually taking stands on biblical truths about things like the sanctity of life and human sexuality, when we're taking stands on things like the exclusive claims of Christ that are inclusive for the entire world because he died for the whole world. Yes, there may be pushback, from the community and the world around you. And if you do not have a root system or if you are trying to live in a divided manner, meaning having one foot in the world and saying, I want to still be cool, popular, and acceptable in the world site and have one foot in the kingdom where you say, but I also want to belong to God. What you have instead of actually a sincere faith is a divided faith and there's no stability in that. And when, not if, but when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, it says that you quickly fall away. That's one example of the divided faith. But another example of the divided faith that Jesus gives us is he says that there are, there are those who have the word of God, but it was sown among thorns. And this is the big one, people of God. This is the big one. You have it sown among thorns, and this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires, the desires for other things, is what the other gospels say, or pleasures, when it records it in Mark and Luke, the gospel, the same parable in Mark and Luke, the desire for pleasures or other things, not even bad things, but other things other than what God is setting before us as ultimately the most satisfying, fulfilling things in our life that are found in his kingdom. He said, when you have the word sown along these places, and this is the type of divided heart that we have, he said, it comes in to choke the word of God in your life and it becomes unfruitful. What does that mean? That means you could have Bible study all day long. And you can read it, and you can love it when you hear it. But here, here's the thing about it. If you are not in a place where you are saying, God, I want your kingdom above, before, and not in competition with anything else, then ultimately the cares of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desire for pleasures, not bad things, but other things will come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful in your life. And that's a divided faith where ultimately you say, you know what? I want this eternal life thing, but I also want to be free to do with my time, my talent, and my resources exactly what I want when I want. I want to be my own king. I want to be my own Lord. Yes, I want to be a part of God's kingdom, but I want to be the king or in a woman's case, the queen of my own kingdom. And ultimately that doesn't work because God says, I am Lord 
and I am master over your time, your resources, and your talents. And when you come into my kingdom, you are giving up those the rights to those things that I might actually bring you into what's best for you, not only in relationship with me, but in your, in your use of your time, your talent, and your resources. God says, ultimately, when we're trying to live in a divided way, having a divided faith, then it's no wonder in the great resignation that we'll find ourselves ultimately living for the things of God when it's convenient, but ultimately when the cares of this life come and a pandemic hits, and I'm wondering, what am I to do? You know, what's my future going to look like? If I've had a divided heart and I've been my own king or you've been your own queen for a period of time, and then this great tribulation comes, and then you don't know what your future is going to look like because you've been your own king or your own queen, and then now you've got to find out or figure out what the future looks like for you, no wonder the cares of this life can choke out your devotion to God so that you begin to try to build not God's kingdom, but your own kingdom, and ultimately find yourself living in anxiety, find yourself living in depression, find yourself living in all types of unrest and fear because of the fact that if you are ultimately the king or the queen of your own kingdom, you can only do for in the future what you have the ability to do in and of yourself. You don't control the circumstances. You don't open doors that no man can shut as God only can for you. You do not know that you have the favor of God in the things that you put your hands to. Why? Because ultimately you're depending on yourself and your own abilities. And that's what a divided heart leads to, the deceitfulness of wealth. People have gone into hoarding mode, hoarding mode with this great, uh, uh, this great pandemic and, and then ultimately the great resignation saying, listen, I'm going to build a future for myself, but not realizing that that too, just as your job was unstable or you found it to be a little bit more unstable than you would have liked it to be during this past year and a half, ultimately, your future will be the same. Deceitful, the deceitfulness of wealth will show itself to be that, that in and of itself. Deceitful, not sure, not firm. Because ultimately it was God who provides not only your income, but your job and your wealth to you. It's God who blesses you with an income. It's God who blesses you with provision. And when you have a divided heart trying to build your own kingdom and it only rests on you, no wonder you like rest or uh, can't sleep at night ridden with anxiety and fear. And it's because of the divided heart, choking the word and trust in God, doing things God's way in your heart. And pleasures, pleasures ultimately choke the word or the desire for other things ultimately choke the word because they are substitutes substitutes for the author of life. I mean, how many Netflix uh, series can we binge on thinking that we're going to be refreshed when ultimately at the end of the 20 hour marathons that we have, ultimately we find that our souls aren't refreshed, but more tired than they were when we thought that we were going in there to get some rest. The desire for other things or pleasures ultimately sap life rather than giving it to us. Where a Christ-centered faith, rather than a divided faith, actually gives us life. 
And ultimately, that's what God wants to bring us to. In this great resignation, he wants us to resign from having a shallow faith. He wants us to resign from having a divided heart or a divided faith. And he wants us to instead have a Christ-centered faith. And when, he do, when we do, he gives us this promise. He says in verse 23, As for what was sown on good soil, which is ultimately the condition of our hearts, right? Where we say, God, your kingdom is the rule of my heart. I don't want anything shallow. I want, I want understanding. God, I don't want anything divided. I want to be able to stand in the midst of tribulation and persecution. I want to also be able to not give myself or have my faith squelched out by the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, or the desire for pleasures or other things. But I want to really find the life that is truly life in you. And when we have that type of ambition, he says, as for the seed that was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit. That's God's desire for you, that you would bear fruit in your understanding of him, your relationship with him, and ultimately you fulfilling that which he's called you to be and do. And when you hear it, you bear fruit, yielding in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. And ultimately, this is the Christ-centered faith that God wants us to live in, where we say, God, each and every day, my life, my time, my resources, my talents are yours to be used for your rule, your kingdom, and your glory. And ultimately, I'll find my greatest fulfillment and satisfaction as I do. So I don't have to resign and just wander about finding for who, uh, trying to find who I am or my purpose in life. Even in retirement, that's, you see, I'm talking to not just to young people now or people who are in the middle of their working years. I'm also talking to people who are in the midst of retirement now, floundering, trying to figure out what is my life ultimately about. It's got to be about more than me just waking up and going to the golf course. It's got to be about more than me just waking up and doing what I want to do when I want to do each and every day. Ultimately, that has a shelf life to it. But God says, I want you to bear fruit. 100 times, 60 times, a third times what was sown in you. And you'll find the greatest fulfillment and satisfaction as you do, as you come to Jesus, the author of life, through his gospel in his mighty name. And so today, as we begin um, this series uh, to, together and, and the first part of this series, I want to pray for us. And I want to pray for anyone who basically says, you know what, up to this point, I've had really a shallow or a divided faith. And I know that it's ultimately led me to disappointment, despondency, and even despair at times. But I want God to free me of these things so that I might actually live in a Christ-centered faith with the cross at the center of my existence, God's kingdom and his purposes at the center of my ambitions, that he would empower me to live in such a manner. And if that's you, let me first pray for you, and then I'll pray for everybody else. Father, I thank you so much for my brothers and sisters today. And I thank you that through this past year and a half, even in this great resignation, that God, you've shown us the limits of all that we would pursue outside of you. God, that people have end up fr ended up frustrated, disappointed, in depression, despair, and despondency. But God, you want to deliver us from those things. And God, I pray that today, as my brothers and sisters, if you say to yourself, I've had a divided faith or I've had a shallow faith, but I wanna lay that down before God today. God, I pray that they would help, you would help them to lay those divided and shallow faiths 
down before you today and that you would free them from um, a division of um, affection, of freedom, free them from a division of devotion and give them today a Christ-centered, Word of God, Kingdom of God-centered faith that will actually lead to the greatest fulfillment relationally and in purpose that they've ever known. God, I pray that you would speak to people not only about their present, but about their future. Not only the eternal life that you've given them in Christ Jesus, but also what you've called them to be. The good works which you've prepared in advance for them to do as they live holy, not in a divided way, but holy for you in Jesus' name. God bless them with great joy as they do. Amen. Now, for anyone who says, you know what? I want this. I want to leave my shallow and divided faith. And I want to actually come into a real dynamic relationship with Jesus Christ. I want to receive his gospel and actually be made a new creation. Would you pray this prayer with me as we end today? Almighty God, I admit to you today that I've been a sinner. And I know I've lived for myself. I lived in sin in rebellion to your commands, and I deserve death and hell because of it. But God, I am sorry for my rebellion against you. And I know that you sent Jesus, your son, to live this sinless, perfect life that I should have lived. And on the cross die the sacrificial death that I should have died in my place. And God, because he was innocent, three days later, you raised him from the dead so that not only could I have forgiveness of sins, but new and eternal life in you. God, would you make me a new creation today? I proclaim Jesus, my Lord, and ask you to give me a Christ-centered faith from this day forward. Help me to learn to love you and give me understanding through your word in how to do so. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, the good news is, is if you prayed that prayer, God said he's made you a new creation. So would you go with me to our website, secondcitychurch.com slash new life. There you can find not only resources, but next steps of how to live out this Christ-centered faith in the community of faith, along with others who are calling upon that name. And we, we just want to tell you that there are people here to pray with you. So tap on that button below if you'd like anyone to stand with you in prayer today. Let us know that you made a commitment to Jesus. We want to walk with you. And otherwise, let's all go back into worship now, honoring the one who should be the center of our devotion and affection. Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Lord, who is the head of his eternal kingdom into which he calls us. Amen.